Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Safe Space, which of course is on a Wednesday night at the moment as we are in the middle of um, Thursday night footy. Good to have everyone back again. hope everyone's feeling refreshed after their stress-free, Hawthorne-free, footy-free weekend. We might get around to see what everyone did, how they passed their time away without having to worry about uh, all things brown and gold. Uh, Good to have everyone here. I am joined by my colleagues, and co-hosts will start in the driver's seat tonight with the Hawks Insiders uh, logo there. Andrew Weiss. Hello, Andrew. Good evening, Ash. Good evening, everyone. Good to have you back. You missed last week. Is that right? Were you here last week? Or you were... Um, All the weeks blend I into each other, so... Can't even remember what I was doing yesterday, let alone last oh, week. Good to have you here. Hello, Darren Levine. Hey, Ash, didn't we have a week off last week? I don't know. I'm, us, uh, I'm losing track as well. Some of us fronted up and did the hard yards last week. It was easy, but, uh, but uh, not you. Uh, I did. You're, uh, <laughs> yes, well, uh, and you're, you're about to depart these uh, these shores as well. So uh, if we're running out, of, if we don't have nothing to talk about, you can tell us about where you're going for the next week or so. We're all very jealous. Uh, and Brad Klobansky, hello. Evening all, yes. I joined you last week, Ash. Uh Good to be here. Good to have footy back this weekend. Three wins in the last four. So it'll be good to get back on, the, you know, watch the boys on the field again in a very winnable game. You were talking to a well-known celebrity. I went to Voltrue just before we jump on the spaces. How is that person who's often in the news? Uh, he's Yeah, they are going okay. few issues at the moment that I'm trying to help them with. But, um, yeah, going okay, which is good. Uh, watch the space uh, for, <laughs> a book, for a book coming out. Ah, very good. Okay, well, uh, we will watch that space indeed. So normally at this stage of the podcast, uh, we um, we divulge, uh, we, we revisit the events of last week and put the previous week's game to bed. There was, of course, no previous game last week, except with the week off. Don't forget, if you want to take part in the conversation uh, this evening, we welcome any and all contributions. Uh, make a request to speak, we'll get you on or if not, uh, put a comment in the comment field and we will get to it at some stage over the next little while. Um, let's start with... Uh, so what did you do last weekend, Weezy? How did you... How did you what, what's one thing you did last weekend that you wouldn't normally get around to because Hawthorne were playing? Uh, well, still managed to watch plenty of footy. You know I am a massive fantasy football uh player in a specific competition that I do with my boy it's not super coach it's not um it's not uh AFL fantasy it's our own special thing that I've I've been doing with our own site for over 20 years um and yeah fifth fifth uh week out of six in a row Ethan and I in a 10 team comp have had the highest score for the round so there was still plenty of footy to watch. There was still plenty of individual performances to watch. And um, I, I think actually there was an element of waiting for Hawthorne through the weekend and that was to get to Monday and and the tribunal hearing. So th- there was still that element of waiting for 
Hawthorne as part of a long weekend for me, to be honest, because I was uh, a little bit nervous, very much hoping Sis was going to get off. Oh, we'll get to that very shortly. Daz, what is one thing you did on the weekend that uh, you normally wouldn't? I had a pretty footy-free weekend, actually. Uh, checked out some of the uh, events at Rising Festival in the city, uh, which I have the pleasure of working on. So that was exciting. Uh, yeah, it always feels very empty when Hawthorne's not playing. Like, I'm missing a limb or something. Um, so I just completely tapped out of the footy world. And uh, I, Unlike Weesey, I think I've, I've watched footy through a very brown and gold lens. So if Hawks aren't playing, I'm, I'm, I'm not that interested what about you, Brad? Your, your, your blue baggers are playing, so you would have been happy with that. Yeah, they'll bounce back to form. Nine goals second quarter. Of course, we play them uh, next week. Once they're in form, it's going to be a hard one for me. Not sure who I'm going to support. But now, nah, for me, it was the usual taxi driver, basketball, swimming, gymnastics, ballet, the usual with the kids. But very enjoyable weekend. And one, like I said, looking forward to this weekend. Although we are playing the what is it four forty Sunday afternoon, so it's going to be a long wait. It is the time slot where those with young kids hate because it's dinner time, bath time, bedtime. Those of us who are past that stage in life, it's quite a good time slot actually. You just basically uh, put everything to the side and uh, do what you need to do and sit down and watch footy late in the evening. It's quite a good time slot. Now we actually have a special uh, co-host this evening. He's one of our great contributors, he, he's always uh, a, a deep thinker on all things Hawthorne and other matters. And I think given the James Sicily News of the Week, it's the perfect week to welcome Mick Cowan as a special co-host for tonight. Mick, welcome. Oh, how well's that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Novice mistake, put the mic on. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, well, Ash. <laughs> Good to have you here. I'm going to throw you straight into the deep end as a deep thinker on all things football and uh, strong views on matters disciplinary with regards to the AFL. I think I hope you do. Uh, Does James Sisley and Hawthorne have massive grounds for complaint or do you think all things considered uh, the three-week suspension was the right way to go? Uh, I think they wanted to set a standard. I thought thought the appeals board might have drop down the penalty to a lower, say, to one or two weeks, take into account being a in-play incident, so to speak, as distinct, say, from what Cosie Pickett did earlier in the year. But with a, they've set a standard now. So with what Hawthorne supporters or any other supporter would say, if you concuss a player going forward, you've got to get three weeks. You know, the, the, that's, the, that's the bar that's been set. And to get out of it, it's going to be really, really difficult. Um, but I would have. I thought the best outcome we could have got would be for a lower penalty. To be frank, um, I heard some commentators saying it had to be zero or three. Well, I don't think they were ever going to go to zero. Um, but yeah, three, three for that. Just for you know, people have been watching footy for twenty, thirty years. It's just anomalous. It is just yeah. It, that, that's the the thing that I think it sticks in people's crawl. To be honest. Well, um, there's also no scope now for the old thing about footy. Actions happen. Yeah, well, that's they're that worried about the concussion and the incidents there. That you know, once and the Berry Berry looked bad too. You know, he laid down for a long time. I'm not saying you know he's definitely knocked out, and then he got up and you know and wobbly knees. So the image was shocking, Um, as distinct from other concussions where they they run off more or less and then do the 20 minute head assessment and then they're found to be concussed. 
So um, the image wasn't great for, for Sis, unfortunately, either. The question is, and I have this question for everybody, we celebrate the we, we, the funny bounce, and we're talking, say, the 2010 grand final, Stephen Mills. Oh, it's, a, it's an oval-shaped ball, funny bounces. You can't predict everything that happens. That's the beauty of the game. Yet, there seems to be zero tolerance now for occasionally for there will be you know, a, a tackle will have a, a tackle can occasionally cause a concussion, which has been part of the game for 150 years. Now, how you treat the concussions and both getting back on, we well, obviously the science has improved a long way since then. You concuss, you don't play. But it's funny how we celebrate accidents happening with the awkward bounce of the ball, but we're now there's now zero tolerance for accidents happening in play with the, the physicality of the game. Completely. I think, you know what, the, the there are so many questions that have been asked during the week around this. So someone takes a specky and in the motion of kicking out, gets someone in the head or they fall and concuss themselves. Is it about actually the outcome, even if it's an accident? What would happen if this is someone on preliminary final week? Uh, would they be playing in the grand final? Is it a is there a tax because this is early in the concussion side of things and what they're trying to stamp out? There are so many unanswered questions, and I mean, what I liked is I don't know if you saw at, um, Eddie McGuire's comments today. Um, is very very strong on it, and obviously he wasn't the only one. So um, if there was ever anything that was going to unify people getting behind James Sicily, this is it, because you never would have imagined it. But everyone seems to agree um, that the the punishment was just not fitting of the crime. And it was really good to see so many people from within the industry, non-Hawthorne people, uh, come out in support of him. Even Essendon supporters are supporting James Sicily, which is quite remarkable. I think the uh, Ash, yeah. I've I've got a question for you. Do you. I mean, do you think this court case in the background is impacting those decisions? This this class action. Yeah, I think I think it's got everything to do with it. I think the AFL, the lawyers have got involved now, that, and I think they're trying to say to protect the the AFL for future litigation to show that we're, we're serious and they, these uh, you know we're doing everything we can to stamp out anything that can increase the occurrence of concussions in the game. I think that has to be the end outcome. And now, as, as Mick said, you, you concussed, it's, it's it. You're, you know, three weeks. That's the prison they set now. Um, Malcolm Blight had the interesting take on Sports Day SA yesterday. Uh, Brad, colleague of ours, uh, they should ban tackling. He thinks football should become like garlic football where you can bump, but you don't tackle. No, no, ridiculous. (laughs) I love uh, Blighty. He's often very uh, left of centre, but um, no, that's not going to happen. And I agree. Like I said, like literally when Sis did that tackle and we saw uh, McCluggage get uh, knocked out, even though I believe he shouldn't, you know, maybe one uh, week, but I straight away knew that's going to be three weeks. And I said it, even when he went up, um, it appealed. The club definitely did uh, the right thing. But there was just, I think, was it uh, Andrew R. Dillon's comments during the day as well? He just had zero hope. He was never getting off that. I agree with uh, Mick. There might have been that slight chance to get uh, downgraded. 
but it's not surprising. But it's just it's incredibly frustrating that that gets three weeks, and we've seen a lot of other instances that are a lot worse. Cop one or two, the Will Day tackle that got two weeks as well. That one, I think people forget about. That was an that was a disgrace. That, that's as bad as the Sicily one. The fact that Will got two weeks for that is just I, I still can't believe that that was two weeks. And, you know, you think back to the Cozzy Pickett one, I know, which happened, I think, round one or two. But, yeah, Will, Will Day's two weeks, I don't think it's spoken enough um, enough because that was that was horrendous. Just going back to Weesey's point earlier, and a lot of people have said it, preliminary final week, it's actually the second last round or the last round of the season. So a player could actually be out for the whole final series, irrespective of... You know, it's grand final. And the other thing that frustrates me a little bit with the whole tribunal is you go to court where you've got three judges, you'll get the result. You know, is it a 2-1 or unanimous decision? So it'd be interesting to be able to see how close people, you know, what the results were, particularly with two players and Gleeson at the tribunal. And then at the appeals panel, again, it's two players. Richard Loveridge was on the panel, the appeals panel, actually. Yeah, um, I think we've got to rescind his invitation to the um, to future Hawthorne function, Richard Loveridge, for his... Uh... For for his his role in all this, unless he was a minority opinion, we don't know. My takeaway of the uh, reading the, the the judgment or comments of the uh, of the chairman was that well, there could be scope for uh, turning around, and people might reasonably argue that we should have uh, we should have uh, uh, not upheld the suspension, and we should have uh, freed him to play. But uh, we could be opening account if we, if we do that, then everybody everybody will want to do that. So. I think I just put it the two hard parts because I think I'd be worried about the consequences of overturning it because then everybody would try their luck for the rest of the season. That every suspension for every suspension for a tackle would go to the appeals board. I think they were be worried about opening a can of worms. I've got a uh, I've got a um, a conspiracy theory as well, if I may. Yes, um, tinfoil hat. Was, bring it on. Was David Neitz one of the uh, people on the panel? Uh, Moose Henwood was on the and Moose Henwood was on the um, appeal. Yeah, but... I, I seem to I seem to recall with Neats. I've got this memory of quotes from him saying, and I went to I went to uni with him and and know him. I've got these quotes in my brain of him saying, "Of all the teams, he hates Hawthorne the most." So I mean, look. Make of that what you want. Yeah, I don't. Agree. But, uh, he was, was assistant coach at Hawthorne for a while under under Clarkson, so he was uh, he worked at he was at Hawthorne for a while. So no, as a part time coach. So I, I find that Neats was. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. When was that? Oh, Early doors with Clarko. The first couple of years. Yeah, with yeah. Clarko. Yeah. And the other thing too, we played with Sean Smith, so he'd be aware of what Sean Smith's been going through. Um, yeah, I don't yeah. think I don't uh, I don't. Uh, there's always been a theory that a former AFL uh, former uh, tribunal chairman going back to the 80s and 90s, uh, unspoken rule that if you play for Hawthorne, you got no chance. Well, I'm the tribunal chairman. He, there were Hawthorne people who got who went to their grave convinced there were former tribunal members who absolutely had it in for the football club. So, uh, but I, I suspect. I mean, I'm obviously would... obviously it's tongue in cheek. Obviously, it's tongue in cheek. Uh, you know how I feel about the umpires and the judicial system against Hawthorne in general. And with Whitey, I don't think he's in here tonight. He must be watching State of Origin. 
uh, being a big league fan. Uh, I've got to, oh, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching Origin and I'm hosting the spaces, so I'm very disappointed in uh, in why you're not being able to walk and chew gum at the same time. And it's a try to New South Wales. Oh, to Queensland, by the way. Eight to nothing for those watching. Now, uh, the question for you now is, we'll do selection dissection early. Um, No, Sicily, for the next uh, three games. What do we do with the back line, starting with you, Brad? Uh, In my piece, which will be released tomorrow, I speak about how I would like to see DGB come in and get a run of games, but it's not going to happen. Sam Frost has been cleared uh, in the injury report earlier in the week. So Frost will come in for Sicily, uh, which, yeah, if, is it the right call? In the short term, probably yes, but I don't think it's the right call looking forward. Uh, Gold Coast forward line is, I wouldn't say it's great. They've obviously got uh, Ben King, who's in great form. James Blank will play on him. Um, they've got Levi Casbolt and uh, Lacocious. I thought DGB could be a good matchup for Lacocious. Uh, the only other change I see happening this week would be if Josh Ward comes back and would probably be at the expense of Lockie Bramble. I don't think it will happen because I think Ward is more of an inside midfielder. I would like to see him play a bit outside because he can find the ball and I'd rather have him playing than not. Cam McKenzie will be the sub again. I think he's playing that role really well. And CJ, I believe, um, is a good chance to come back at some level, but I think he needs to come back through the VFL. We spoke about this last week, Ash. Um, most of us believe he's no longer in our best 22. Others may disagree, but both Seamus Mitchell and Josh Weddle deserve to be playing ahead of CJ at the moment. So CJ will need to come through Box Hill when he's ready to return. Yeah, I don't think... I mean, based on the Peter Bird video yesterday, I he didn't mount a totally convincing case that CJ would play footy at any level this weekend. So I think it's going to be one, unless he absolutely trains a house down tomorrow at the main training session. I would say CJ probably won't play again this week or come back next week. But uh, we'll get to what we want to see for the rest of the season shortly. And one of those uh, that I've posited is that uh, they play CJ and Mitchell in the same team and see how they go. One on the wing, one on half-back. And see where that takes... um, the footy club. Uh, what do you think? Uh, what do you think, Weesey? What are they going to do with that? Uh, with that system next three weeks? Yeah, I, I totally agree with Brad. I feel like if not now, when in terms of it being a great opportunity for DGB, um, but I think um, clearly with what we've seen in the injury report. Um, Mick will be able to talk about what he's seen at training in terms of who's played in which teams, but it all points to um, Frosty being a direct in for um, for Sis. Uh, I think Ward is the only other one, um, potentially even Harry Morrison, if they don't think Ward's ready in terms of that swap for Bramble. Uh, but I think that they'll potentially leave Bramble in the team based on the, the winning formula. Um and him being part of the last few weeks where we've been doing okay. Yeah, they're going to be pretty reluctant to change the team around too much. I mean, Josh Ward's just been unlucky at the moment. He hasn't quite had the continuity with his, uh, with his. I think it's a foot injury, and he's now out of the side. And he's just going to have to, uh, he's just going to have to break the door down for selection by keep, you know, knocking up thirty possessions or so 
for Box Hill to get to the side. I can't see them making any change other than whoever they bring in for um, whoever they bring in for Sicily this week. I think the team's pretty settled. Um, but it's it's interesting because this is supposedly development year, but development year is supposed to it, you're supposed to bring a lot of players through the side. Um, compared to last year, they, by this stage of the year they were putting players out for parts. I think Wingard was the first. Look at the Hawthorne ins and outs for the rest of the season. Brad, something you follow very closely. Most weeks from now to the end of the season, or this time last year, somebody was going out for season-ending surgery. Absolutely. We saw a lot of guys debut in the back half of the year. I still think probably closer to the end, the last three or four weeks, we're going to see guys like Cooper Stevens, uh, Henry Husswaite will probably get a game or two. Ramson will probably come back in. I think, you know, guys will be put in for surgery not as early as they were last year, but probably, you know, with, you know, two, three, four weeks left of the year. Our team's just really settled at the moment. The list is in really great shape, as we've spoken about. Peter Burge has done a brilliant job. So whilst the side's playing really well and is quite settled, I just can't see any changes being made. And, you know, I speak about it in my piece tomorrow. The team that Box Hill's going to put out in the next three or four weeks is going to be as strong a VFL side as uh, we've ever seen. You know, you're going to have Wingard, Morrison, Ward, uh, CJ, Ramsden, Jecker, Green, Bennett, O'Sullivan. Like these are Bennett and O'Sullivan are another two who will hopefully see get a game or two at the end of the year. But those, you know, that side on paper for uh, Box Hill is will be as good a side in the competition. O'Sullivan's got a groin injury. He's not going to play it for a week or two. He uh, he's had. Um some issues that they're going to deal with in the next little while. Yeah, it's right. It's going to be a very strong Box Hill team. And I think the rules dictate they've got to play a couple of, a few, at least five or six listed Box Hill players. So I don't know how they're going to do it, actually. It's a it's a, a nice problem to have. I mean, and they Box Hill knocked over Brisbane, who were top of the ladder last week. I think Gold Coast, without no church at the VFL, uh, I think Gold Coast are pretty close to the top as well. So that'll be a uh, a good curtain raiser up at Metricon on Sunday with Gold Coast v Box Hill leading into... Gold Coast v Hawthorne. Mick, is Peter Burge actually the best recruiter Hawthorne for the year? Going by the injury list, it is. I was fortunate. My membership gets me, uh, they do a night a year for the level I'm at, and it's called Inside the Huddle. That was on last night. Well, that's the next thing. I was going to put a call out for anyone who's at Inside the Huddle to uh, give us a, a a bit of a debrief. Now, there's been very little on social media about it. I was wondering whether they put a bloody confidentiality clause or something that... What setting the roof stays? Yeah, they room. do. If that's not the case. What, they do. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> you might want to have it. You might want to have it because Nat Edwards actually hosted the night, so you might. It's okay, Mick. Uh, no, one is <laughs> no one's listening. No one's listening. <laughs> but there are things it. that there are things that um, have been observed beforehand. Um, in terms of usually the commentaries about the canopy. No, yeah, <laughs> I just I ignore that personally. But anyway, yeah, it's like. Uh, what is it, seagulls on a chip? You thought there were seagulls in the ground, seagulls in that room last night. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, it's they were they were they made the point. You know, the injury list has been so low; they haven't been able to actually give blokes a chance, which is really I think they've been frustrated a little bit by it. I thought they thought by natural attrition, a few blokes will get yeah. get a game by this stage. Um, it was interesting. Sam made the comment. Mitchell made the comment about because um, someone asked him about Aaron Ryan. And he said, uh, yeah, one of the coaches said, yeah, he'll be playing by the GWS game. And um, Mitch sort of said, well, that's one person's opinion. I'm not sure that I share it, but, you know, they've got high, they've got some, they want to try him out, which goes to Brad's article, I think it was, or comment on in the article earlier in the week. Um, but, you know, the injury list is, and that's what Rob McCartney said, they'll probably have 20 Hawthorne players playing at Box Hill this week. 
Um, the only one that's out is O'Sullivan. He's got a groin, and that they think it's about his body fitness development and, go, and going up to AFL level from you know an under eighteen base. Yeah. Um, yeah. The only one I, you know, the only one, there was a training on Tuesday, and um, Will Day did a lot of running laps. Didn't no contact. Yeah. And his shoulder was taped from that um, knock. But again, someone asked him last night. They said, "Are you going to play?" Because you're on my super coach side. And he said, "Yeah, I'm playing." Although he's a bit vague as to what day it was of the week. But um, yeah, it was quite. I yeah. sorry, go. On. So without okay, okay, you can't uh, give away what was said last night. And we were actually, of course, we respect that. But did you get did you get the vibe that the club is actually really pleased with where things are? Oh, at? yeah, they're wrapped. You know, they went through the playing. They broke the playing group into you know the first year players, developing group, and then the leadership group. You know, they they've already spoken about this again publicly. Like none of the leaders were had been a leader before. And Sam said, you know, the leadership meetings from they, from where they started to where they've progressed to now has been you know really pleasing. Um, the handball issue, <laughs> he did talk about. And he said it came out of. They made a point around round seven that we're the lowest handball side. Handball, handball for marks. And so he just thinks the players there have just taken upon themselves to handball, become a little bit handball happy. He goes, you know, our stats are one-to-one. He goes, that's too high, but it's working at the moment. We're just using our leg speed to get, you know, to get to our advantage. And if people remember that bit of play against St Kilda where they took it out of the back pocket and end up with Cam McKenzie on the wing um, and he bounced the ball and he, the ball didn't come back to him, and end up with Brockman kicking the goal into the goal square. There were about 12 handballs in that run at play, and Mitchell kept saying every time I saw a handball, everyone says, kick it, kick it, kick it. He goes, I know, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> so so they're, they're, they're aware of it, but they're wrapped with the development. Um, and, yeah, as I said, the issue is being able to get blokes a chance to play. Um, personally, I, you know, this is really left field as of Saturday. You know, with Sicily out, I'd play Day in Sicily's role, Frost comes in, um, DGB comes in, and Bramble goes out and play Weddle on a wing um, and try that, but they won't do that. Um, it was interesting, the one comment that I will slip is they've given Weddle jobs within games and he's adapted really quickly. In the, in the three games, or the four games he's played, he said every game we've given him a job during the game and he's adapted. He said he's got good footy IQ. Did they... Indicate any re-signings? Might be, uh, no, they didn't talk about that. They spoke about the age profile. It's the youngest age profile we've had since 2005. Um, they've been really happy with the second halves in the last since the first four rounds. Um, and they've had a big... And they're also winning quarters. They've looked at that as part of the last, say, six to eight weeks. Um, right. And the number of games played under Sam was the interesting one. So... Uh, Newcomb, Hardwick and Moore have played 35 games um, and down to Lewis and Water at 21-22. They had a list of about 15 or 16 names. Um, Nash and Sicily at, th- at, at 34, they're, they're the notes that I took. But yeah, that, that, that was the other thing. You know, they just want to get games into, into players and get a good core and they're still trying to work out. This is the whole debate, you know. Who's going to play? Who's capable of playing in a grand final side effectively? Or the, you know, who's who could play at Port Adelaide was the was the comparison line right now. Would they get a game there? Right. You know, um, and they said, you know, at this stage, blokes in twenty games wouldn't get a game, but in sixty games, 
they may all be at that ability. Yeah, which sort of goes to what uh, Jack Fitzpatrick was saying when it was last week. He said, if it was looked at, yeah, there might be 14 to 15 teams capable of beating Hawthorne or, that are better than Hawthorne now, but in three years' time, hmm. two to three years' time, there might only be, that, that they're, they're shaping to be a top four or five team and one of the, one of the few teams capable of winning a premiership. So that's, I think, I've got no doubt that's how they're, they're setting themselves up. They uh, they think uh, their, their window opens for 2025. I think but, but they would think anything's possible from 2025. Mm. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're, I don't know what they said last night, but I mean, my, my understanding is that they, uh, their list management structure is around one more big hit at the draft, which is this one, and then after that, destination club in 12 months' time. Mm. And then it's free agents and 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 hitting the tra- and hitting the trade market hard. Yeah, and that that that's more or less what they said. Interesting thing, they did make. Someone asked about you know free agent. And they they didn't commit to anything, obviously. But um, the point was made about Sam made the point about Carl Amon. He said, although he's twenty seven, playing on the wing, those players play a bit longer, um, given the nature of their position. So he may well still be, you know, in six years' time, still be. A um, important part of the team. At thirty, well, that's what they said. They said they see him as a five-year player. I mean, look at Isaac Smith. Mm. You know, Isaac Smith is showing. You know, he's what 32, 33 now. Isaac, your favourite player, Darren, and he um, he's showing no signs of slowing down. And he's playing the same sort of footy. Really, he played at Hawthorne for for close to ten years. So, um, yeah, I think that's why the, the cell. You know, again, the contrary on Amon as well. He joined Hawthorne as a twenty-seven-year-old. Free agent, but Hawthorne well, you, know, you could play five, six, seven years still, and then you know, in, in that time, it could be anything. So, mm. um, all right, so that is that. We won't say any more. I think you probably said more than you're supposed to, Vic. We appreciate the uh, giving us an insight to what was said last night. So, what I want to do now is I want to discuss briefly the big news of the week at Hawthorne in a week when there wasn't a whole lot was the uh was the retro jumper coming out for the um, Collingwood game in a few weeks' time. It was a vote of supporters, and they went with your favourite jumper, I think, Boise, the jumper that I think you may have somewhere or are about to get if you don't already, the 99 and set cup-winning jumper. One of your favourites from your, your golden era as a Hawthorne supporter. Yeah, well, especially in terms of, you know, my backstory is going to the footy sort of starting to go to the footy early 90s every week. So a fair period of, um, well, off the back of some success into uh, the exact opposite. And then, um, you know, I went used to go to every pre-season grand final and pre-season fixtures as well. So to be able to go and be there, I mean, that was effectively the first piece of silverware that um that I managed to see live and um as you remember we spoke at the start of uh was it the start of this year it might have been uh was the start of this year when we had the big fish on the pod to talk about that evening and relive it and it was just a wonderful you know I mean it was the pre it was the preseason cup right so everything in uh, in context but it was just a wonderful night and wonderful for that group um, going through that time and that game is probably um, that's the epitome of what that jumper represents right 
Like when you see that jumper, for me, it's the 99 Anzac Cup Grand Final. They showed the Hawthorne Footy Club put up on their uh, one of their various channels. They put the every goal from that game up. Um, it was amazing, um, and they had crawl in the room. Forget, forget how dominant they were that in in that game. They, they poured in his goal in the first half, and it was quite a warm, wet night. And Hawthorne absolutely dominated. But the crowd, I mean, you forget, you know, it had been eight years since Hawthorne had won their last day premiership, and it had been a pretty bleak eight years. Consider you know, in between times, but forget just how excited everybody was at that there, game. There were how, just under fifty thousand. There were just under fifty thousand people there. Fifty thousand people for uh, yeah. uh, obviously it was a grand final, but to get fifty thousand people at Waverley on a Saturday night, full stop. Let alone against um, an interstate team as well. Yeah. There weren't yeah, that many support fans. Him. No, I don't think a lot of poor fans would come over for a pre-season grand final. So, no, just, a, just forget. I mean, I was there, but, I, you know, to be honest, I couldn't, could hardly remember a thing about it other than I got in trouble for missing a major family event in order because I, I went, but um, I went to the footy. But it was, uh, yeah, just forget how, how excited the supporters were. But back in the... Di- aren't, you spotted, aren't you spotted on TV in that one? I am on TV in that, you are on TV uh, in that a one, few times. You? Which is great. Times. Several times, yeah. <laughs> it's in it's in an article. I'm gonna, I'm gonna dig it up. But I think we, I think, I think there was a interview in that highlights package as well. Very, very fleeting. Oh, I, to, I think uh, I, I think it. I made a gif. I think I made a gif. Is that one actually? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm so dig it up right now. I was just going to say, guys. yeah. I was just going to say, people forget that that comp actually had status back in those days. You know. It was for those sides that weren't going to make the end of year finals, and there's some bit. Of, there's a little bit of coin floating around as well, and the players. Well, you should pay. You should pay. For I was going to say end of season trip because they weren't a good coin in those days that they are today. But um, yeah. well, the, the justification for second division clubs like Hawthorne back in the day was well, they only hand out two pieces of silverware in the AFL for, for every year. This is one of them, so it's worth getting excited about. So that was the justification for getting excited about winning. Pre-season premiership, and sometimes it was a leading indicator to success. And in Crawford's case, two years later, they uh, yeah, they made it through. To, they were, they finished kick away from making the grand final. Well, five. Someone so, goes by five day, five night, don't they? Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, a certain uh, Derby Brereton is well known for five day and five night. So anyway, Ash, the, uh, yes, Ash, you know what we'll do to to celebrate? I'm just having a look and. It was February we spoke to Fish and spoke to him all about that game. I think what we'll do is we will republish that this weekend as the Golden Years Rewind pod uh, so that everyone can have a listen back to the Michael Tuck medalist talking about that night in particular. Yes, that was uh, well, any time you chat to the great Paul Salmon uh, about Hawthorne, it's always a wonderful chat. We've had a couple of chats with uh, now for Golden Years, and he's just a, a, a great Hawthorne person. So um, we we uh, yeah we'll we'll definitely get it up and going. Um, is there not much else really at the Footy Club? The search for the CEO still goes on. A few more names have um, have dropped. I mentioned Simon Lloyd last week. Another couple of names have come up. Uh, uh, Sue Clark, who works as the COO at at Bulldogs, I think now, but she. Uh, 
she was formerly uh, head of finance or she had a senior role. Geelong Hawthorne have already sourced two CEOs from used to be involved Geelong, so she could well be the third. Another name, uh, they said that Ash Klein, who's the acting CEO, and Josh Vandeleur, who's uh, special projects and heading up the AFLW project, will be given a look in. Um, there is a, a suggestion that uh, they will make a godfather offer to, tra- to try and get Travis Holt out of the AFL to be the uh, new CEO of Hawthorne. It'd be a great person to have as the CEO at a time when Hawthorne are, uh, and, and the AFL could be locking horns um, over the uh, over the cultural review and the fallout of that. And it'd be a pretty good outcome for the club to get uh, one of the AFL heavyweights into Hawthorne to manage that. Probably more unlikely than likely, I think. Another name to look out for, I think, would be um, Steve Rossich, who is a long-time former Freo CEO, who's now the CEO of, of the uh, of, of the VRC at Flemington. Um, I think Steve was keen on the job last time. Um, it was up when Stuart Fox he had a non-compete clause with uh, his job at Frio that he, he couldn't leave to go to uh, another club as CEO. I think he was actually keen to move last time but was uh, not uh, able to do so. But he's uh, a name to look out for as well. Certainly well regarded the AFL for and footy for the job he did with the Dockers before um, Simon Gala took over. So there are some more names to consider. No idea as to the timing of all this. Um, but you would like to think it to be reasonably soon. There are some fairly big decisions to be made at the footy club and somebody at the end of the day is going to have to manage the process with the cultural view ongoing and the other big decisions facing the club uh, in the next little while. So we wait for that one to happen. Um, so we've been running a series of articles on the Hawks inside of our mid-season review. We have one more to come, which we'll talk about briefly in a few minutes' time, but it uh, might be worth revisiting what we have done so far, so we ran a piece about um, who would be leading the Peter Cummins medal at the moment. Um, and there was a fairly, fairly wide ranging view of uh, views. We see which way did you go? I led the, my uh, one, two, and three with James Sicily. I think he is well, was in front but might find it hard to win um, with uh, with the current suspension but will clearly be there and thereabouts. Um, in third, oh, well, in second I had Jarman Impey. Uh, I think I'm the only one to have had him but I just feel like he has consistently done his role all season and done it exceptionally well um, and I love when the coaches are voting for players doing their roles as opposed to, you know, necessarily the flashy standout best on ground types. Um, And third I had was a little bit um, left of centre from a mid point of view as well was James Warple, um, where clearly you could make an argument for Nuke, Day or Nash, but for me Warps has been a consistent four-quarter performer in most matches so doesn't go missing in games this year and is having an outstanding season. So, Sis, Impey and Warps for me. Uh, Brad, you went for John Newcomb. Give us your reason for that. 
Oh, I just think um, looking at his uh, numbers, his performance, especially probably in the last four to five uh, weeks, I just think he's been uh, a superstar. And if you look at his stats and his uh, rankings, um, he's actually rated as one of the top midfielders in the competition at the moment. Um, I just think he's been brilliant. Uh, he's led our uh, midfield. I had Connor Nash second. Uh, Weesey touched on players playing uh, their role. I reckon Nash not only has improved, you know, his ball uh, winning ability, but he's been able to play a, a range of uh, roles on our plays. His game against Bontempelli against uh, when we played uh, the Bulldogs, his first half against Caleb Sarong when we played against Fremantle. Um, yeah, I think he's. I reckon he's going to finish in the top three in our BNF this year. I had Sist as third. Um, I thought he started the season quite slowly, but um, his performances probably the last five weeks have been unbelievable. He leads defenders in the AFL for possessions um, and marks. Uh, I had Will Dane at Impey is uh, very uh, unlucky. I think either one of them can potentially finish in the top three. Now that Sis is missing three games, he already missed another one through suspension. So I think Day will probably get a spot on the podium, but yeah, at MP, um, I like uh, Weesey uh, putting him in because I think he's having a really underrated season. I reckon he's been consistently good the whole season. Daz, you weren't able to file anything for these mid-season stories, but so now's your chance to have your say. What have you? Who be your leader so far? Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say Warps actually because I think he has had the most consistent season. I think Sis. Had a few um, brain fade games early on. And I just think, yeah, as Weesey said, Warps has been really consistent across four, four quarters for most of the year. I can't really remember him disappearing from games. And it would be great to see him win a second PCM. I certainly didn't see it. Um, Connor Nash, I'm, I'm having as number two. I think he's had a really cons- uh, consistent year. And also Jarm, Jarman as well. So I think... I think it just comes down to consistency of performances for me. I think Will Day has been amazing in patches and, you know, disposal efficiency has been down the past few weeks and maybe has disappeared from a, from a few key quarters and some key games. But those are my three consistent players and um, I, I'm, I think they're probably uh, top three for me in terms of PCM podium finishes. Well, you, Nick, you got any thoughts on this? Taking into account the voting system, I think Nash should probably be in front now. Sisley, I put up in a comment during the week, you know, he, he would have got a four, what's called a four-point game for his St Kilda game um, because they do a one, two, three for every play and then force from the exceptional game. So that would have balanced out the one game he's missed. But, you know, missing three games or four games during the year, he's stuffed, I think, in terms of winning it. Um, Day, that's a problem with Will Day. He missed two games. So I've got Nash, because I think he'll get votes in against the Swans when we got smashed. He'll get votes against Geelong when we got smashed when others won't. Um, then I can't remember. I think, um, just have a look. Newcomb was the other one, being solid. And then MP probably comes into the mix as well for the reasons the other guys have outlined, consistency of performance. Um, they're probably the top three at this stage of the year for me. So we also did best first-year player, um, Danny... Pins not with us tonight. Danny went for Josh Weddle. It's pretty much a toss-up between Weddle, for most of us, Weddle and um, Cam McKenzie. Interestingly, uh, Simon Morowitz also not with us tonight. He took a different approach. 
Thought he hasn't played a game until this year, but his first year of senior footy for Hawthorne being Seamus Mitchell, and he gets a nod there. Um, we see you went for Josh Weddle. Just give us your thinking behind that. Yeah, well, I think I think it's probably linked into the fact that heading into the season, Cam McKenzie would have been the um, would have been the clear choice if we were predicting, and we probably did have to look at the crystal ball stuff. But I think just his rise from what we saw during his time trials pre-season to spending a number of weeks at Box Hill to coming in and having a significant impact has been unbelievable. And the fact that it's been in multiple positions um, and we still don't know what his best position is or is going to be. um, I think that, I think that whilst, you know, no disrespect to Cam McKenzie and how bloody good he looks as a footballer. Um, Yeah. Weddle's explosion onto the scene Seeing is pure excitement. Um, I think that it is Weddle, Marjane McKenzie. McKenzie just looks like, you know, he it just looks at like no frills, no fuss, exactly as, as advertised at the start of the season. Someone who watched a lot of under-18 under said there are players with greater uh, highlights packages than McKenzie, but he'll come in from day one, look like he belongs and be a really solid player. And I think that's what we're getting that's what Hawthorne are getting out of him so far. So I think he's been a really good acquisition for the footy club. Um, as I said, uh, moral not with us tonight, but I'll just read what he said. A, fa- a player I feared was going to be consigned to the what might have been files. Seamus has found a new life in his halfback role and has probably now worked his way ahead of CJ, Harry Morrison, Lockie Bramble in the pecking order. The spot is his as long as his form keeps up. Certainly he's been a really good player. You'd like to think that there will be rising star nominations for... Um, both Mitchell and McKenzie before the end of the season. Um, the worry would be that one of the fourth of the cracks, a bit like Con McDonald did last year, he'd never got one because he'd never that sort of breakout game that uh, just makes the selector say, well, we can't ignore him any longer, um, which I think uh, Weddle's had that game where he just you couldn't possibly uh, knock him back. Um, you'd like to think that one or, Mitchell, one or both Mitchell and McKenzie will get a nomination before the end of the season. We also had a look at the um, most improved player at the footy club. Um, Weesey, which way did you go? Uh, so I think uh, it was pretty straightforward for me. And Mick talked about, uh, about Connor Nash potentially leading the... PCM and wouldn't that be wouldn't that be an incredible incredible story if he did win it that would just be mind blowing but I've got no doubt he he, he dipped a bit last season um, we saw the end of uh, the year before that incredible run that had him um, entrenched into our midfield. Um, but his season this year has been absolutely incredible, uh, and and yeah, to to be the elite level midfielder that he is this season, I think that jump has been bigger than any other player on our list. Yeah, we all sort of uh, went for Conor Nash, except for um, Mora, who again thinks outside the square. 
He went for James Walpole, saying it's not his best season. He's a Peter Cribbins medal, after all. But he's clearly most improved in recent years. He brings aggression to our midfield and always looks to get the ball moving forward. The stats, the stats reflect that. Only a handful of players across the league can match his clearances, inside 50s and tackles. No doubt there's a correlation between his improvement and the departure of Tom Mitchell. This alone justifies that decision. And uh, as always, a point well made by Mora. Uh Nick, you would uh, concur with Connor Nash as well? Yeah, Connor Nash. You know, it was interesting at Sam Mitchell's press conference, I think, after St Kilda game. He spoke about Nash's background. Like he's been captain of his rugby sides back in Ireland right through his whole career. Um, and I think even at county level, and any, you know, I've got a very a friend of mine, she married an Irishman, went across for the wedding. And you get an understanding of what their culture is about their local Gaelic and rugby sides, etc. It's it's akin, you know, it's a national, you know, talk about state of origin, they have county of origin, basically. You know, the county is the most important. And if he's had that role in Ireland, he's got good leadership skills that I don't think we were aware of sitting outside looking looking in for the first four or five years. You can see why they invested in him now. He's also a really bright guy. I think he's studied medicine or he's going to study medicine okay. when he finishes playing. He's clearly a very, uh, very bright guy. So it just took time. That's all. But uh, as I said, the, the biggest uh, loser out of his improvement is Cooper Stevens, who's clearly was brought to the club through that tall that goes in midfielder. But Nash has not given a stiff so far. So we talk about players who want to see for the end of the year. I'd love to see how they can find a way to get Cooper Stevens in the side while also playing Con Nash. I'm not quite sure it's possible, but uh, we will see. The fun one to write was um, what the three things we would like to see happen before the end of the season um, at Hawthorne. I'll go through a few of what we've done, but Daz, you didn't write. So what, uh, what are some things you'd like to see happen before the end of the season? Um, yeah, I mean... I'd like to get to, to see a few of the other uh, rookies come through. So, you know, we mentioned O'Sullivan before. He's he's had a great year at Box Hill. Um, really exciting player. I've seen him up close. Um, obviously, that groin injury might, may set him back a week or so, a couple of weeks. But I expect – I'd love to see him get a game. Husway, Bennett, Bennett, they've all impressed and, and done all the right things. Love to see um, – I'd love to see CJ get back in the side and and get a bit of confidence back towards the end of the year as well. Um, I'm a big believer in his ability and and his place in in, in our best team. So we'd definitely love to see that. And maybe a few more honourable losses to to improve our draft position. Um, As much as I love winning, uh, I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, getting a a top three pick. I think that would be a, a really good result if we can continue... Um, the good form, at least, anyway, and just have some honourable losses before the end of the year. Well, the way the season is shaping up, Hawthorne could win three more games at the end of the year and still finish 16th, which I think everybody would th- think would be actually a fantastic um, a fantastic outcome. Um, Danny said he wants Brandon Ryan, Cooper Stevens and Henry Hutswaite to make their debuts. He wants to see more consistency from the younger players and the re-emergence of DGB and a new contract for Tyler Brock. Well, that's actually four things. Um, but I think they're all noble thoughts. Morrow wanted uh, Conor McDonald has set the bar. I'd like to see more from that. He wants Josh Water uninterrupted run to finish the season, and Huss wait to get a look at senior level. Brad, what did you say for yours? Uh, I had similar, more uh, debutants. So obviously, uh, the likes of Cooper Stevens, um, 
O'Sullivan, Bennett's those guys to uh, get a game. Uh, I said play DGB um, over the likes of Sam Frost. I think the time is now. And no more gifting games, which I reckon Sam's doing, uh, which is great. The likes of uh, Wingard, uh, Morrison are probably going to finish their Hawthorne careers at Box Hill. I can't see either one of those two on our list in 2024. Um, one thing that really annoyed me at the end of Clarko's tenure and what he's seems to have brought to North Melbourne is I get you've got to you know occasionally play some senior players, but the gifting of games to players who didn't deserve to be playing, whilst the younger players performed at Box Hill and weren't given a go frustrated me and um, I love the way Sam has backed his youngsters uh, Weddle, great example uh, Mackenzie's come in, Seamus was given a go and he's really you know, uh, earned his spot in the side so um, I love the way he's backing in uh, the youngsters and the likes of um, Wingard and yeah, uh, Harry are playing at uh, Box Hill which I think will be uh, the norm uh, going forward, no more gifting games yeah, I think uh, Wingard's interesting. Well, we haven't mentioned Rawls tonight. Just what his future is, and does he play much before the end of the season? It's a really interesting, interesting one. I can't see him playing this week. Um, do they want to get him back? Give him one last go? You know, I think the problem with Wingard, I think he's lost trust in his body. I think even go the evidence was that didn't see the game because Hawthorne played at the same time. But those who watched the Box Hill game, Darren, I think you watched a bit of it. Said that he's he wasn't going full pace in the in the Box Hill game. So if he can't trust his body at Box Hill level. What hopes he got in the AFL? Yeah, he, he wasn't. He looked really... I mean, it was so weird seeing Chad Wingard play at Box Hill, I must say. It was it was very strange. Um, but, look, he wasn't bad. He, um, he he did some really positive things, had a few goal assists. I think he kicked, kicked uh, one or two as yeah. well. So, well. At least one. Yeah, yeah. So he, he didn't look super sharp, but he, he, he looked like someone that was trying to at least prove himself and, and prove his fitness and might be a few weeks more at Box Hill, dare I say. Um, and, you know, who, who knows whether whether Sam brings him back in the team ahead of some of these promising young players. It's, it's, a, it's a big call. It'd be a hard job for Sam to sit down and explain to players why Wingard gets the game ahead of them. Some of these young guys haven't played yet. He was actually on ABC Radio on Sunday and he spoke about um, playing at Box Hill on a turf, you know, the ground, the quality of the ground and the yeah, turf, you know, a mud heap basically. He goes, I haven't played on a ground like that since I was 17. You know, and that, that's the thing. It's a, it's a fair drop down for his um, skill set. The one guy that I think no one actually mentions and he showed some stuff at the end of last year is Josh Sarong. It'd be handy to, to have a look at him the second half of the year. Um, and I noticed he played down back last week at Box Hill, given the plethora of forwards that they've got with the injury right. list. How many blacks can Hawthorne have playing playing half back though? He's a bit taller. He's a bit taller than the others though. That's the thing. So uh, yeah, yeah, I I yeah. think Sarong. I'd like to see Sarong. I mean, I think Sarong has more upside than Fergus. Oh, yeah. So so you'd like to see Sarong uh, get a look at that. You know, if they can find it. Got so many players I want to look at. I, I just don't know how they're going to do it. I really, unless they start putting guys in for surgery. I don't, no one even needs surgery because they're all fit. But I, I think that's just the year they didn't expect in a lot of ways, the Hawthorne. I think they're far more uh, fit players than they anticipated. It's been such a long time since Hawthorne's had a, in, such a small injury. So they don't quite know how to manage it. But it's a, I guess it's a, a good problem to have. A couple of ones I put in for my wish list of things I would like to see before we finish up. Uh, I'd like to see them play CJ and Seamus Mitchell in the same team. That might mean Bramble missing out, but I think 
You've got to, you've got to, uh, the, the, the upside for CJ, we know what it is. We know when things are going his way, what a brilliant footballer he is and how much spark he had to the side. But as I explained last week, the uh, Seamus Mitchell will just come in and take him his spot. But I'd like to see how they can fit them both in the same team. I'd like to see Hawthorne beat Fremantle and Carlton before the end of the season. Carlton, no explanation needed. Uh, two losses in a row against Carlton, there's two losses. Too many, but Fremantle has no business beating Hawthorne five times in a row, which has been the case. So I think round 24, the NCG might not mean a lot. And if Frio keeps diving the way it has, the, the game will have nothing riding on it. But I'll, I'd like to see, I would like to see Hawthorne lose six times in a row to Fremantle, a team they should be beating fairly regularly. Um, and I'd also like to find a way to have a good look at DGB. Not sure it's going to happen before the end of the season, but I would like to see him play. Um, we have one more of these stories to go, which is how many wins we think we will see for Hawthorne before the end of the year. That one story will drop on Hawks Insiders in the Substack in the next couple of days, certainly in the lead up to um, to, uh, to Sunday's game against Gold Coast. But I think everyone's uh, estimations might have been marked down a peg or two, Brad, with uh, Sicily out of the side, whereas they thought they could win the next three. Uh, with him playing, I don't think they'll think that anymore. Yeah, absolutely. I think Sis is a massive, massive loss. We've got three winnable games. I know we play Gold Coast away and we play uh, GWS in the uh, paddock in three weeks' time. But I just without Sicily, especially against Carlton with Mackay and Kerno, you know, back in form, um, I just can't see us beating Carlton. I know they were playing poorly before last week. Uh, I think we can beat Gold Coast um, if we play the way we did against Brisbane and St Kilda. Uh, GWS is another team that we should, you know, I reckon that's a 50-50 game, but for whatever reason it is, when we play them on that ground that we're going to be playing them, we just struggle every time. It doesn't matter how strong or weak our side is, we just can't seem to beat them there. So... Um, it's going to be an interesting three weeks ahead because we do have some winnable games again at the end of the year. I think we've got the Bulldogs in Tassie. Ash, you mentioned Frio at the MCG. Uh, Collingwood, we're not going to beat. That's at the MCG. We play North Melbourne again and St Kilda at Marvel again. So we can easily win three or four games in the run home. The uh, Bulldogs game is very winnable now. They've got no key defenders at Hawthorne. Uh, you know, one thing Hawthorne's got is a fairly lively forward line to Hawthorne. They can break even with that midfield somehow down Tassie. That's a very winnable game for Hawthorne late in the season. That might be the game Hawthorne wins late in the season to spoil that. That might be the spoiler game. That might be the game the Hawks win to to spoil the Bulldogs and knock them out of the finals rights, which would be a fun thing to be in. Let's get some comments before we go. Hawks Insiders has put the picture of Weesey up at the football uh, for the 99 Ansett Cup Grand Final. You, you look like you're giving stick to someone from Port Adelaide, Weesey. Do you remember who it was? Oh, I think it was more, um, you know, leading the celebrations with the group of people around me. Uh, and it was goal after goal after goal. So uh, I think it was less about stick and more about uh, just party time. And boy band look with the white T-shirt under the Hawthorne jumper? Yeah, look, I'm assuming it was Daz <laughs> who's posted this and there will be ramifications. Um, You're still rocking that look, Weezy. <laughs> <laughs> Settle down. I think you've, uh, you're a bit less portly there. That day. I think you're a bit fitter than you might have been in that photo as well. But the baby fat's gone. Um, AK, speaking of Will Day, was battling a thigh issue at training on Tuesday. 
Um, look, tomorrow's a big training day, Hawthorne. Depending on who trains tomorrow, uh, we'll give a fairly clear indication of who will play against Gold Coast on Sunday. Patrick, have to ask, is the Retro Guernsey launch one of the best pieces of marketing from, sport, from a sports team? Well, I wouldn't know categorically, but it was a very good job by Hawthorne. The video Surely we have Collins to defer that. Terrific. We have to defer that to Daz, wouldn't we? He's our... The merch guru. <laughs> Social guru, marketing guru, merch guru. Like, this is right up your alley. Oh, it is. I, um, I'm actually going to buy... I'm not a big uh, Hawks merch purchaser. I'm, I'm, I may be the guru, but um, I'm going to... I'm definitely going to buy that 90s training jacket. Um it's on my list and a hundred percent that's, that's going to be mine. I love, I love retro gear. Um, so I think it's a brilliant move from the club and I've given them a bit of a bake this year for their uninspiring merch, but uh, I absolutely love this. Uh, it was a fantastic video as well. The, Nicole with the launch video as well. Still looks like you could play Dutchie. So well done to the club for that. Ivan, is Bruce is definite after the Corky? I think he is. I think it's one of those ones. Had they played last week, he may have struggled a bit. But they uh, he given all indications that he will play. Bruce is the sort of player who could take on a team like Gold Coast and kick four or five goals without thinking too much about it because he'd be the smartest player on the ground. Um, and I think that's it for comments. We've got someone who view tweets I can't view because this account only limits who can view their tweets. Well, that person... Should be doing that if they're trying to contribute to the Hawks and Softness on a Wednesday night. That's been the safe space this week. Um, thank you, everybody, for taking part. Uh, Nick, thank you for being uh, a co-host tonight. Great to have you on board. And your contributions have been uh, uh, as a commenter and uh, for coming on and uh, taking part in the space. They've been really welcome. So thank you for being part of it tonight. Thanks, Ash, for the invite. Cheers. Good to have you on board, Brad. Good to talk to you, Darren. You'll uh, you won't be you'll be another part of the world this time next week. Am I right? That's correct. I'm going to be in uh, in Mexico actually for for work, and I will be back for the Carlton game. Looking very much looking forward to going to that one with my family. We're uh, we're split down the middle between Carlton and Hawthorne, so really that's the game that I want to win before the end of the year for sure. Yeah, the part of town we come from, Carlton Hawthorne games are always massive, so. We'll be looking forward to that one. Brad, thank you. Weezy, thank you for doing all the work behind the scenes as always. And uh, any housekeeping that we need to be aware of? No, just keep your eyes out for um, uh, Anna. My wife actually is the same year level and went to school with Daz. So might be cracking out some mid-90s photos to shoot out through... Uh, the Twitterverse over the next couple of weeks. Just uh, do you think the people really care? <laughs> oh no! Do you think, do you think oh, the people really done? care? <laughs> I think you two can take this, this. You can take this feud offline, though. The rest of us don't really care what you guys look like when you went to school. Um, don't forget, Hawks inside of the Substack, five dollars a month, fifty dollars a year for great online Hawthorne content. We've got a few bits and pieces coming up in the next little while. Um, good to have the footy back uh, 4.40 Sunday. We'll have a recap Sunday recap pod, which I think we're going to turn around Sunday night, uh, not long after the game. So you'll have that for your Monday morning commute and the recap article to come as well by some stage on Monday as we crank up for the remainder of the season. We're looking forward to it. 
10 weeks of footy that I think we've got to learn a lot more about Hawthorne's prospects for next year and beyond. It should be a lot of fun because they are actually a fun team to support and watch at the moment. Have a good uh, rest of the week. Enjoy the weekend. Uh, long way till Sunday evening, but uh, be worth it to see the Hawks play again. And we will talk to you next Wednesday once again on the Hawks Insider Safe Space. Thanks for listening and good night. Thanks so much for listening to Hawks Insiders. Head to our Substack for more quality analysis, special features, news, interviews, and so much more.